0: If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center4selfcare.com or email me at mark at center Thank you and enjoy. Last week we started... An exploration of uncertainty and, well, Pema Chodron, the teacher we were reading about, called it chaos. I, I'm, I'm better with uncertainty than chaos. Chaos mm-hmm. sounds like a bit much. And we did practice of letting it be. So whatever arises in our experience, we just kind of noticed it and we let it be there. We even kind of let go of the technique in practice and let the mind wander and wander. Most of the times we're trying to control our mind. Most people, when they come to meditation, are like, how can I empty all these monkey mind thoughts going on? And so it was a little bit of a different of approach to, to see what happens if we just let the mind do its thing. And sometimes we call it back. Uh, so she had three different approaches to working with chaos, letting it be, turning the poison of suffering in our world into medicine. I was thinking about doing that. And then I decided not to do that. We're going to, we're going to part three. Next week is part two. This week is part so three. next week is poison. Yes. I'll so if you don't want poison, that. don't come. So the third one was using whatever arises in our life to cultivate wisdom. We're not pushing away those things that we don't want. We're not even grabbing onto those things that we do want. Um, we're we're seeing what can arise, kind of allow and accept whatever's going on in our experience. A lot of this is based off of Tara Brock, who's a meditation teacher, who's written a book called Radical Acceptance. And she had this great quote, wanting something to be different is arguing with reality. Wanting something to be different is arguing with reality. I think there's a lot of good stuff there because arguing can be really productive and helpful. <laughs> so it's not saying that we should just be okay with reality, but recognizing that a lot of times we're swimming upstream. I thought I'd share a couple of stories and guide us through a practice and then we'll have time for a little bit of discussion if that's okay with you. Yep. Fine. So this is Ajahn Brahm who ordered this truckload of dung. He really, really wanted to Call it "Who Ordered This Truckload of Shit," but his publishers wouldn't let him. So in Australia, where he, he teaches, it's "Who Ordered This Truckload of Shit." Um, ma- no problem with it these days. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's now it's cool. Imagine you have just had a wonder a- wonderful afternoon at the beach with a friend. When you return home, you find a huge truckload of dung has been dumped right in front of your door. There are three things to know about this truckload of dung. You did not order it. It's not your fault. You're stuck with it. No one saw who dumped it, so you cannot call anyone to take it away. It's filthy and offensive, and its stench fills your whole house. It's almost impossible to endure. So you might have a truckload of dung of your own in your yard. In this metaphor, the truckload of dung in front of the house stands for the traumatic experiences that are dumped on us in life. As with the truckload of dung, there are three things to know about tragedy in our life. We did not order it. It's not our fault. And we often say, why me? We're stuck with it. No one, not even the ones who love us most dearly, can take it away, though they may try. It is so awful, such a destroyer of our happiness, and its pain fills our whole life. It's almost impossible to endure. There are two ways of responding to being stuck with a truckload of dung. The first way is to carry the dung around with us. We put some in our pockets, some in our backpacks and briefcases, and some up our shirts. We even put some down our pants. We find when we carry dung around, we lose a lot of friends. Even best friends don't seem to be around so often. Carrying around the dung is a metaphor for sinking into depression, negativity, or anger. It is a natural and understandable response to adversity. But we lose a lot of friends because it's also natural and understandable that our friends don't like being around us when we're so depressed. Moreover, the pile of dung doesn't get smaller, and what's more, the smell gets worse as it ripens. Fortunately, there's a second way. When a truckload of dung is dumped in front of our house, we heave a sigh and then get down to work. Out come the wheelbarrow, the fork, and the spade. We fork the dung into the barrel, wheel it around the back of the house, and dig it into the garden. This is tiring and difficult work, but we know there's no other useful option. Sometimes, all we can manage is half a barrel a day. But even so, we're doing something about the problem rather than complaining our way into depression. Day after day, we dig in the dung, Day after day, the pile gets a little bit smaller. Sometimes it takes several years, but the morning does come when we see that the dung in front of our house is all gone. A miracle has happened in another part of our house. The flowers in our garden are bursting in richness of color all over the place. Their fragrance wrath wafts down the street so that the neighbors and even passersby smile in delight. There's so much that we are able to share it with our neighbors. Digging in the dung is a metaphor for welcoming the tragedies as fertilizer for life. It is work that we have to do alone. No one can help us here. But by digging it into the garden of our hearts day by day, the pile of pain gets less. It may take us several years, but the morning does come when we see no more pain in our life and in our heart. A miracle has happened. Flowers of kindness are bursting out all over the place, and the fragrance of love wafts down our street to our neighbors, our relatives, and even to passersby. Then our wisdom tree in the corner is bending down to us, loaded with sweet insights into the nature of life. We share these delicious fruits freely, even with the passersby, without ever planning to. It's kind of an interesting way of backing into meditation and mindfulness practice because, you know, the way I think of mindfulness is it's it's simply it's paying curious attention to what's happening in this moment. One of the great things about mindfulness meditation is, as long as you've got you, you can do it. You use the raw material of your life as the object of your attention, as the anchor of your attention. So you pay attention to your breath as the belly rises and falls, or the body. Or maybe even thoughts, emotions, feelings. So we're, in a sense, whatever comes up, we're, we're churning that into the, into the garden of our life. We're saying, what's happening right now? And can I be with this experience? Tara Brock, in this talk I was listening to this week, had three really uh, interesting points. Oftentimes, we're like, I can accept, I can accept, I can accept. And then we find that one thing where there's an injustice or there's potential harm or actual harm happening right now. And I say, no, 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 no. I, here's where I stop. I'm not allowing this to be the way it is. And I think mindfulness is asking in that moment for an allowing of what reality is saying, what's really happening in this moment. It's tough. Tara Brock asks this question. Can, can, ex- can acceptance sabotage the ability to drive change? And acceptance sabotage the ability to drive change. I think her her conclusion there is like acceptance is the only way to drive change. Engaging with the authentic reality of what's happening is how we kind of have the wisdom and the discernment to say, you know, this isn't something I wanna stand for. Here's how I'll approach it differently in the future. And so there's kind of a, a, the final question there is how can I a- access my inner resources so I can respond to the situation? I, I'm, I'm an animal. Hopefully many of you are animals as well. We've got this biological system that just looks around and says, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. And so it's really saying always like, I need to react, I need to run, I need to fight, I need to do whatever. And most of our threats now in our culture are emotional or psychological or maybe long-term financial or long-term kind of physical comfort, none of them are, I'm about to get mauled by a lion or something like that. So how can we cultivate a stillness, a refuge within ourselves so that we can kind of harness all the resources and wisdom of our experience, our heart, our mind? You know, when we're in that fight or flight mode, we're not thinking clearly anymore because we're basically just trying to survive. So that'll be our practice tonight. I've got a. This will be body-centered inquiry, so our practice that we'll do. So we're going to try to find those, almost like those red flags, those warning signs that we get when we're in this state of reactivity. Um, for me, it's like warmth, tightness, tension, or arguing, fighting back. I had two interesting experiences this week. Uh, the first was at work. We had to schedule... We had to schedule 36 sessions across six teachers with all kinds of teachers with differing schedules. And I've been scheduling it for years. And I know exactly how to do it. And that was not the way we were doing it. And I was I was like pushing back and pushing back and telling them why they were wrong. And I should have noticed, like, that's my red flag. Once I start arguing, uh, I don't really care about <laughs> resolving this question. I care about being right. Ultimately... I was able to step back a little bit and ended up with the same result we always have. Just had to wait 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, compare that to yesterday. I was flying home with my son from Florida, and the plan was great. We're going to land at 8 o'clock. The Eagles game starts at 8.15. We won't miss a thing. And hour and 15-minute delay. Sitting next to my son, he's pissed, and I said, Is worrying going to change? Is is fussing about this going to change the fact that I'm going to be late? And everybody else around me was upset, other than the gate agent, who was very measured. And I had a grand old time. And then they herded us on the plane, and they drove it fast, and we landed at 8.05. And so all the fretting would have been for nothing. Um, So some measure of allowing not, there's no indifference here. I was still annoyed. But I chose not to tell a story about what happens next. In this actual practice, uh, body-centered inquiry will feel into our body a little bit, and we'll see what we can say yes to. That allowance is saying yes to whatever is arising our, in our experience. And it might be that's not what we want to do right now, because a, a thought about a relationship or our work or our you know, ourselves, how we're treating ourselves, uh, might come up that we're not so happy with. Um, but we might even be saying yes to our resistance, saying yes to whatever's happening in this moment. So it might be, I don't want to say yes to the fact that I'm watching way too much Netflix. <laughs> but I can say yes to my frustration that I'm not doing anything about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Tara Brock does this uh, practice where she encourages you to say this too. So whatever comes up, you're saying this too, which is a way of allowing and acknowledging without really accepting necessarily, Um, but this too. And I think it can be pretty forgiving because you're like, oh, great. You can say that sarcastically, but at least you're acknowledging the experience of the moment. Uh, I think we'll practice for 12 minutes or so, something like that, and then we'll have 10 minutes at the end um, for any reflections that, that you have. finding a posture that's comfortable, that balances a stability in the body, but also a flexibility. You're invited to close your eyes if you like. Let the hands rest gently in your lap or on your thighs. Allowing the shoulders to drop away from your ears. Perhaps sensing the movement of breath in your body rise and fall of the chest, the belly, and simply gathering the state of affairs. Feeling the body, noticing any areas of predominant sensation any pressure or tingling, any lightness, pulsation, tightness. Letting the attention move through the body, and saying yes to whatever you notice. Knee sore, yes to this. Eyes heavy, yes to this. Silently naming parts of the body that need your attention and allowing it. allowing it to be as it is in this moment. Drawing your awareness to any thoughts or feelings as they arise. Notice if you're embracing them or judging them, or trying to push them away. Seeing if you might say yes to them. And then feeling into the heart, sensing the breath drawing into the area of your heart, listening, and feeling the love and the wounds that live in your heart. As you feel the love and the wounds, say yes to it and see what arises in you, allowing and softening. Noticing how you're holding your experience, what kind of reactivity or acceptance you have in this moment. Noticing what happens when you say yes to the thoughts, feelings, memories or regrets. What happens when you say yes to the heart? To the extent it feels safe, you might even invite some of the difficulties in your life. Feeling into them, perhaps even visualizing them. allowing the experience to flow saying yes or this too Inviting each of the spheres of your experience, your relationships, yourself, your vocation and passions, what can you say yes to? what wants to be seen and heard and acknowledged. There's no need in this practice to try to change things or figure anything out. Simply being with your experience, seeing what you might say yes to. might be that you say yes to your resistance or your discomfort. Might be helpful to draw your awareness back to the physical sensation of the heart. Feeling how it nourishes the body. feeling how it might help you open. Welcome whatever arises in this moment. Taking these last few moments of practice and notice what might have shifted or changed. Sensing if you have any advice for yourself. sensing if you might say yes to this moment.